1: Pastor, Pastor Adam. Adam. I'm here, yes,
0: always. I want you oh, to well, not always, g- it has been some of my I haven't been on, but I am here. Yeah, fair. I'll
1: let you give yourself a grand. Thank you so much, yes. Matt. <laughs> <We're continuing. laughs>
0: you're kissing kissin up because you don't want to lose your hosting duties. Uh, up?
1: Well, you said you'd have me back every once in a while. Yeah, so. that's true, that's true. So, like, you're not kicking me so out. So it didn't hurt my feelings too bad. <laughs> you're not kicking you out. Yeah, what we're talking about is, is we just made the
0: announcement that uh, our new permanent host, Stephanie Lee, will be starting here. Um, in just a couple of weeks um, She's in the process right now Getting married and selling down All that stuff and so then she's going to be our new permanent host And you've heard her on the podcast before She's been on here several yes. times um, uh, She is like family to me and Valerie um, Matter of fact she probably would consider Me and Valerie even though we aren't official She'd probably consider us her godparents well, That's awesome um, Or at least Valerie She's Valerie's like her, her uh, aunt sometimes Her big sister sometimes and her mom sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's um, good. Anyway, yeah, yeah that's what we we're talking about. So sorry, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. Keep going, man. Good. Keep going. We're going to continue
1: in our series. You can think like Jesus thinks. Today we're in episode 118, which leaves us with only two episodes remaining. If yep. you, that's including today. Yeah, including well, today. So we got one more after this. Right? Yes. Yes. yes, yes.
0: So we got two more of this. So you can think like Jesus thinks. We've done 10 characteristics of a person who thinks like Jesus. Today is the ninth characteristic. And then we have one more next week, and then we'll kick off our new series with our new host, Stephanie. And that series is going to be um, things I wish somebody would have told me when I first started following Jesus. And I'm excited about yeah, it. Yes. So. I'll listen
1: to it as a as a viewer yeah, on the yeah, outside.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> an, an, what do you call that? A, what, a listener? Yeah, yeah a you know, listener. That's what these people are listening to us, thinking that we're horrible. Um, I'll put you back on Spotify. spot of... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so um, we're going to be rolling into that. I, I'm excited about that. There's, there's going to be some fun things to talk through because it is just cool to think back like as a Christ follower now, being Christ follower for a long time, what are those things I wish somebody would told me when I first started astrology? Yes. You know, like like I wish somebody would have told me that – here's a teaser – I wish somebody would have told me that reading the Bible is hard. yes. Cause the people acted like, oh, it's so easy. Just I love, it. and I'm like, it is hard to do.
1: Even people when they're spitting out uh,
0: Bible yes, verses Lord, by were...
1: memory, I'm like, man, I wish I could do that better. Man, you know what's
0: crazy about that is that is a special. Um, it's a gift. Yes. Right. I don't mean a spiritual gift. I just mean like it is a, it's a talent. Yeah. And we tend to judge ourselves based on that talent. We do. Some people can't memorize things like that, that well, but they can do better with other things. Like I'm, I can memorize numbers well, but I have an extremely hard time remembering memorizing scripture. Um, But it is not lack of me trying and it's not lack of because I've I said that to people before. And they're like, "Oh, you just don't. You know, it's not practicing enough. You're just not reading." I'm like, "What are you talking? You crazy man? Like, <laughs> I mean, I have a I have a lot of education. So do you? A yeah. lot of education in ministry, and primarily in Scripture. And I have read tons and t- I mean, I'm I'm an avid reader, and all I read is Bible, theology, leadership, church growth, church strategy, church functions, church discipline. I mean, that's all I read. Yeah. And I can't remember verses to save my life.
1: I know. I can remember, like, the words in the verses, but when you start telling me to spit off, like, this came from this book of the Bible, John, da-da-da-da, i am like, ha-ha, good luck with that It's hard. I, mean,
0: I can't do it, right? <laughs> no. I can't do it. And here's the cool thing. If you struggle with that, of course you should, If you, the more you read it, the more you will internalize it, but you may not be able to quote it word for word because it's not just so your talent or remember the exact verse annotation because it's not your talent. But what you need to do is tell yourself, "Don't worry," because there's the the Bible's in front of you. You don't have to, yes. right? You, you don't have to. Now, it is great to be able to internalize the Scripture, like so that you can, um, so that it comes up in memory all the time. Right? You can yeah. speak it over situations and speak it over things going on in your life. Absolutely, right? But you don't have to get it word for word to do that. Yes. And if you struggle to remember it, hey, there's a cool thing called. The Bible in print. Yeah. <laughs> and you can go find it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like, like I was, I was, one of our kids struggled with spelling. And uh, I said, son, you need to work on your spelling. You know, you need to do that. I said, however, there's these things called dictionaries, though, too. So in your life, when you don't know how to spell something, you can go look it up. Yes. It's <laughs> the so same thing with your Bible. So I don't know how we got on that subject. I don't know what that has to do with. We're, we're bonus. Te- we're teasing the next series. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bonus. Since I
1: wasn't going to be on it, I was you know, giving my input. You're trying to talk. You're trying to, yeah, yeah. You're
0: trying to <laughs> do it. Um, so that was a little bonus stuff for you. Yeah, so we're doing that next series. And so today we are in uh, our eighth character, ninth characteristic of uh, a person who thinks like Jesus thinks. And today we are um, saying or talking through this idea, I want to do God's will, not mine. So you look at how Jesus thinks and you go, that's his mindset. And you then go, okay, I have the mind of Jesus Christ because I am a Christ follower and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Mm -hmm. Right. And the Holy Spirit is the one that discerns the thoughts of God. And we talked about this in the first episode, who can discern the thoughts of God? Well, you can because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Right. So you have the mind of Christ. And so then that means that I also can function in the same way and have the same mindset, not just my actions. And so um, Jesus is marked by these 10 characteristics. There might be more. This is the only ones that I came up with. But 10 characteristics of a person who thinks like Jesus thinks. How does Jesus think? Well, there's these 10 key ways. One of those is, is that Jesus wants to do God's will, not his own. Yeah. And he states this over and over and over and over again through the That's Gospels, very true. over and over and over again through the Gospels. I want to do the will of the Father, not my own will, right? I'm, I'm doing the will of the Father. He says this over and over and over again. Um, and so if we have the mind of Christ, that means that we can also live and walk in this mindset of, of I don't want to do my own will. My own will gets me in trouble. Yep. I want to do God's will. I want to do what God wills me to do and what makes him happy, what pleases him, um, and, and what fits into his plans. Not trying to fit God into my plans. Yes. Because that's what we usually do, don't we? Yes, very like, We exactly. usually try to fit God into our plans. Yep. Um, instead, I want to fit into his, Right. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus says statements about being about the will of the Father over and over and over again. We only picked one today. We'll put it in the description as well so you can reference it on your own if you want to. Um, and once again, we will put it in there because we're never going to memorize it either. So Matt's not doing this from memory, by the way. Nope. He's looking it up on the Bible app as we speak on yes. the phone, and he's going to read it to you. So this is the this is like to me um, the one clearest scripture I could give you. I had to pick just one of Jesus saying, "Look, I am marked. My mind is marked by I don't do my will. I do the Father's will." This is John six thirty eight. Matt, read that for us real quick.
1: It says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me.
0: Yeah, read it one more time. All right. I messed you up. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) Clicked out the Bible. Got him. Stephanie (laughs) Stephanie wouldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) She probably would. She's probably going to be a better reader than me, too. She (laughs) probably would. For, uh, she might memorize the scripture. Who knows? Yeah, she might have that talent. Like, I don't
1: even need this Bible left. Man. Yeah, she might.
0: <laughs> like, I just quoted from memory. I got it like that. John six thirty eight. One more time. Says, the only reason I'm telling you to read again is because I didn't listen to you the first time. Go ahead. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's on doubt. That hey, coffee was good.
1: It was. It says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me.
0: Yeah, he's, like, he's literally saying, I came here. Like, I came from heaven, man, all the way down here in this earth, this jacked up place. I left everything. I came here not to do what I want to do, but to do God's will. Like, to me, me it's a big statement because it's not just I'm doing the will of the Father. I mean, he's saying, look, I came all the way down here to do something, and that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to get distracted by doing my own thing or my own will. Or leaning into, I mean, Jesus is talking about leaning into his humanity. Yes. Like, I'm not going to then become and do, you know, I, I came here for a purpose. I'm going to stick to that purpose. It makes me think of, like, with us, that, like, I used to be dead. Scripture says I used to be dead in my sin, right? Mm-hmm. Dead. Not alive at all. Just thought I was alive. Just a facade of life. Yes. I used to be dead. And that Jesus Christ has saved my soul, redeemed me, and given me a purpose and he did not do all that, and me come back to life like Lazarus for me to do my own will, my mm-hmm. own thing. Right, like that, 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 for us. That's how we would say that scripture. Yes, you know. And so Jesus is clearly living by I want to do God's will, not mine. And for us, we would do that if we have the mindset of Jesus. We're going to say I want to do God's will, not mine. Like He saved me, He redeemed me, not so I could just do whatever the heck I want. Like this is a key part of Jesus being your. Not just your savior, but your Lord. Yeah. Everybody wants Jesus as Savior. Everybody. Even yeah. the people who don't lean into him. Everybody wants Jesus as Savior. He lays down his life for you. He fixes all your wrongs. He mm. rights all your wrongs. So he cleans up all your mess. You know, he saves you from the pit, from the depths, from the despair. I mean, all this things. Everybody wants Jesus as Savior. Yes. That's not the question. Right? It's when you recognize Jesus as Savior. Is that he is your Lord? Yep, he's Lord, which means he is in control of all. Which means his will dictate. His will is the only will that matters. I no longer have a will. My will has been replaced by his will. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't even have one. Every day I've got to. I don't do this well. Right? I'm still sinful, but every day I've got to lay down my will. Yeah. For his will. Like I'm you're 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 taking your will every day and you are offering it, you're laying it as an offering. It's not about me, right? Because you because you are my savior, you are my Lord. Like he loves us into submission to him. And submission to him is important to understand because that's the Lordship piece, right? Mm-hmm. That he is our Lord. And so Jesus is saying here very specifically that his mindset is is I came out. Look, I came here for, I want to do God's will, not mine. So think about that for a second. I want to do God's will, not mine. Do you realize how radically countercultural that is? Yes. Very radical. I mean, our culture says the exact opposite. Culture for all of time has said the exact opposite. But our culture now says the exact opposite. Our culture now says do you yes right? do you be whatever you want to be do whatever you want to do do what makes you happy mm-hmm. we did a podcast series a long time ago man it's it's pro- it's probably the best one we've ever done and i think that the title was something like it probably wasn't like this because i didn't get the chance to name all the titles exactly how i want because people make me make sure it sounds appropriate well, what I wanted to call it was is stupid, but things that Christians say <laughs> that we should stop saying. Yeah, All right. I, I actually think what we called—if you go back and look—it was false wisdom versus true wisdom. Um, it, it was a phenomenal series, and we took false wisdom of the world. This has been—it's been a long—it's been fifty episodes ago or more. Um, Chloe, Chloe was still the host then. Yes. We did a bunch of them. We took common wisdom of this world, and we put it through the filter that you get from a specific piece of scripture in James that lets you discern what's true wisdom and what's false wisdom. Well, that's good. Because um, it talks about false wisdom is demonic and all these things, right? Uh, it's you-centered, it, you know, like all those things. And so we would take wisdom of this world and go put it through the filter and let's see if it's real wisdom or not. And and basically it was stupid stuff that we should not say or live by because it's false wisdom. Well, that's good. And And several of them were, you do you, boo. Right. Do you, you, boo? Um, Every time we say the word boo, let's just pause for a second. This is my ADD kicking in. Every time we say the word boo, we always get funky around here because um, uh, one of our uh, our lead tech person, his name is Steve, but his wife, Melissa, who's a key administrator at the church, she has called him boo, right, because he's her boo right forever and so she calls him boo so much that everybody else calls him boo yeah
1: i call i've I've started calling him mr rose because because i still struggle with it yeah i don't know how comfortable i feel
0: (laughs) i said the same thing man i said i said i cannot call another grown man boo i can't do it but now guess what i call him Boo. All the time. I call it to his face. I told him on the phone. I'll, I'll text him, hey, boo. <laughs> so anyway, uh, one of those false business you do you, boo. That's the culture of our world. Mm-hmm. Be Whatever makes you happy, do whatever makes you happy. Pursue what makes you happy. Happy, personal happiness over everything. Yeah. Like that's the culture of the world we live in. And Jesus is posing this completely radical mindset. Yes. This, I mean, it's it's radically countercultural. It is the opposite of our culture. It says, I want to do what God says and God's will, not mine. I don't want to be me. I want to be the me he wants me to be. I don't want to do me. I want to do him. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to live a life marked by what I want. Or what i thinks best i'm going to live a life marked by what he deems demands prescribes right this is so countercultural everything in your life today in american culture at least i can't speak for other cultures in the world but um cuz i don't know them well but man i know the american culture pretty well and i can tell you especially raising kids right now like my our oldest child just turned 16 right we are in the heart of battling this in the world around us with our kids everything screams you can do whatever you want
1: Yep, anything
0: okay. nothing's off limits You can do whatever you want to do. And I'm not talking about in the cool way where you tell your kids you can be anything you want to be, honey, right? Like, you know, like you're giving them, you know, you're boosting their sense of they can accomplish or they can become something, right? They can can have their dreams and they can go meet, you know, you could be the president, right? Every, every parent says that to the little kids. You could be anything you want to be. You could be the president. You know that kid ain't gonna be mm. going to become a president. But, <laughs> but yeah, you, know, like, you know, I'm not talking about that kind of, you know, making sure your kids know that they are the masterpiece that God has made them to be. Yeah. And that they're created with purpose and that they are powerful and that they are fearfully and wonderfully made and that they can, that they're smarter than they think they are and they're stronger than they think. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I'm talking about the fact that in the culture right now, it's like you can be anything you want to be, you can do anything you want to do. It doesn't matter whether it affects somebody beside you because you need to be happy. It doesn't matter whether it's going to um, derail somebody in your family or offend somebody else. You got to be true to you. You know, yep. you got to go find yourself. Very right. That's so. one. Right. Yeah. You got to find, find yourself. Yes. I I used to think that that phrase made sense. Um. Because, you know, you get those spots in your life where you're like, well, I just got to find myself. Jesus says, though, you don't find yourself, you lose yourself. Very right? much. Like Jesus goes M&M. He goes, lose yourself. You know? <laughs> like, like he goes, you have to lose it to find it. You have to give it to get it. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus says, it's so it's so cultural. Isn't it? It's not about you finding you. Jesus says it's about you finding me. Right? Like you lay down your life. You you lose it. The, the, I mean, Jesus is so radical with this. The 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 first become last. He he redefines greatness completely, yes. right? The first become last. Um like the meek shall inherit the kingdom of the earth. I don't even know what that means to <coughs> inherit the kingdom of the earth, but what Jesus says is it's the meek who get it. Like there yes. is some sort of eternal, massive inheritance. And the meek are the ones who get it, mm. like not the greatest among us, yeah. not the strong and the powerful, but the ones who, and meekness is a cool thing. Meekness is a word we don't use now because we, may, we think it means weak, but it doesn't. That, that word weak meant, um, it, it, it gives you the picture of breaking in a cult horse. Mm-hmm. It's power under purpose. Yes. It's, being, it's taking what's powerful and putting it into something that's actually usable right, under a purpose, under a trainer, under a leader, mm-hmm. under a guider, right? And so it's taking it's taking you and going, no, you you are succumbing your will to the person who has made you and is shaping you. And when you do that, you inherit the earth. Yeah, yeah. that's being meek, right? And so, I mean, Jesus is so radical with this because here, here's us, here's our culture. We want to do what we want to do. That's it. We do. We want to do what we want to do. And we try to set our lives up to figure out how to do what we want to do. There are too many Christians who have this mindset. And this is going to offend some of you because this is your mindset. You need to hand this over to God. I'm telling you, you need to repent and do something different because Jesus did not save you from the depths of dead to your sin and trespasses for you to live with this mindset. But this is the mindset of most Christians. I'm on, I love Jesus. I go to church. I'm serving and I'm giving, I'm going to work every day. And what I'm working for is the time around when I'm 65 where mm-hmm. I no longer work. Yep. And then, and then I can spend my days playing golf or fishing or spending time with the grandkids or traveling or whatever that like distant retirement dream is in yep. the future. Until I die. You need to lay that down at the feet of Jesus because that is not the life he's called you to live. That is a you-focused, doing everything in this life, setting it up for just a couple of years of retirement yep. so that you can do what you want to do. Like what it should be instead is, is I go to work every day and maybe I am looking forward to a time where I retire, but that's so that I can do what God wills me to do during that retirement period, yes. those things he's called me to do. I mean, think about the, think about the absurdity of this. Christians, I can't talk about non Christians because do whatever you want. You don't believe in Jesus, so it's fine. Um, Christians live their whole life focused on 10 to 15 years, if you're lucky, of retirement. We spend 65 years of our life focused on 15. That is crazy. What we ought to be doing is spending 80 years of our life focused on billions and billions and billions of years of eternity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: See, I think that's crazy. Yes. Like people think the opposite. They you're crazy, man, that you're just focusing on and think about eternity all the time. Like, oh no, I think that you're crazy for spending all your time focusing on 10 or 15 years that you may or may not get. Yep. Instead of this life is preparation for billions and trillions and years of eternity. Yes. So we are marked by in our culture, we do what we want to do. We want to do what we want to do. And Jesus is saying that's, that mindset doesn't work. And Jesus is marked by not. this mindset of I want to do God's will, not mine, right? Mm-hmm. God's will, not mine. And we have to be marked by that same thing. The real test of this, um, which is why you have to have the mind of Christ Right? This is why this is not something that you can just do. You can't just hear us say this today, learn it, and apply it. Yep. This is why you have to have the mind of Christ. The real test of this is I want to do God's will even when it's difficult and painful. Yes. That's, that's the real test. It is. I want to do God's will even when it's difficult and even when it's painful. The most profound example of God's will trumps my will even in moments of difficulty and painfulness, is the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. It's the best example. Jesus Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's right before his arrest. He's going to be arrested there, right? Within 24 hours, he's dead. And he's in the garden. He's he's just had the Last Supper. He's just washed feet. He's just been betrayed, right? Yep. He told him what's coming. He pulls aside to pray. He's overwhelmed um, with anxiety. I mean, the Bible talks about this this he is he is so shaken that he's scared to death oh my god! like literally scared to death yep. and jesus is not one to exaggerate Mm-mm. like look through he's not one to exaggerate so if he says i'm scared even unto death he really means it yep and so he he stares into the cup of god's wrath he knows what's coming he's seeing it He's seeing the fact that the face of God's going to turn from him, that the sin of mankind is laid on him, the, the ridiculousness of the cross and all those things. And he says repeatedly, even though he's asking, God take, if there's some other way we can do this, take this away from me. Right? If there's some other way if there's any other way we can handle this, let's got to go.? Right? He, he, he says three times, "Your will be done not mine. Your will be done not mine, even in the face of ridiculous pain and adversity. Not my will, Father, but your will. Yes. And so the real test for us is, is when things are hard and painful, do we want to and are we pursuing God's will instead of our own will? Yeah. That's the real test. So if you want to look at your life and say, okay, am I walking out this mindset, which I have because I have Christ as my, my mindset, am I walking out, you know, I want to do God's will, not mine. Not when it's easy, like not when it's easy. But when it's hard, when it's difficult, because it's easy for you to walk around going, well, I'm a Christian and I want to do God's will, not mine. So I'm not going to vote for these these punks that want to, you know, make God's stuff that's not in God's law, part of the part of the law of the land. Right. So I'm going to stand up against that. I'm going to fight against this because I want to do God's will. And that's easy to do. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's easy to do. It's easy. Look, It is easy to stand on a soapbox. It is easy to. Point the finger at what other people are doing and go. You're not. That's not God's will. And then stand on your self righteous soapbox and go. I want God's will for this. That's easy. What about when it's painful and difficult? Yep. Matt and I just talked about off off air. We couldn't have had this conversation on air. <laughs> we just talked about off air that um, part of being a leader is making difficult decisions that are best for um, the people that you're leading as a whole. And being true to what God wants to do. Yep. Um, and sometimes that's an easy thing to do because everybody agrees with you. So it's easy to do when everybody agrees with you. you know? It is. But when you have people that are vehemently against it, but you know it's the right thing and you're the one that's charged with leading it and you have to make the decision, you know they're going to be upset, they're going to be mad, they're going to leave, they're going to pull money, they're going to do all these things, they're going to blast you, talk down about you, just crucify you, not literally but crucify you in the in the in public opinion um you have to be willing to say i i'm going to do what god wants us to do here yeah come what may um and there there's too. been lots of, there's been lots of situations like that in my life as a leader of i know this is the right decision for the people that i'm leading and for where god wants us to be and i know when i make this decision it's going to cause a whole lot of mess. Yeah. Right. And, and it's going to hurt. But I, I want to do God's will here, whether people get mad or not. Uh, cause my will would be, everybody's happy with me all the time and everything's great. You know what yes. I mean? Like that'd be my will, <laughs> right? My, my will would be nobody's mad about nothing. They think I'm awesome and we're just booming and moving forward. Like mm-hmm. That'd be my will. Right. Um, but it's not about my will. It's yeah. about God's will. Not about what I want. It's about what God wants.
1: You think I mean, a lot of times when people think about God's will, like you were talking about the fearfulness and the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus, I think a lot of people maybe struggle with not understanding like God's sovereignty and God's reverence and, you know, and fearing him in a way that not like you're scared of him, but fearful in you know, his presence and his power and his control. and. and and his actual will over your life. And Absolutely. And you think if a lot of people don't like give God enough reverence in their lives and his sovereignty for and sure. what they do for them. For sure. And that fearfulness of that he is almighty and he is powerful. And I think that's where a lot of times people struggle with giving God his will. I mean, giving God the will over your lives and giving him that control.
0: I agree. Like, I, I, It makes me always think of my father. Um The father figures pay, pay an, an incredibly important role in your life in what you think and believe about God, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, if you grew up with a dad who was um, always angry, you have a at least subconscious, m- sometimes conscious this this view. Uh, you project that onto the view that you have of the heavenly Father, yeah, and that he's some angry God who's mad all the time, right? Or if you have a dad who was so distant that this that God's some distant person playing hide and go seek with you in the stars. Yeah. Um, um and if you have a loving, caring father, you tend to have a better view, at least initially, um, until stuff in your own life happens, but of God. Yeah. And so I constantly think about so so I I have a great father. And I was never scared of my dad. Like never scared of him. He was a disciplinarian. He'd whoop that tail. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can say that now because the statute of limitations <laughs> is let up. Nobody can arrest him. He'd whoop that tail. Like one time I went to, I I'd gotten too big for my britches Because you got to remember, I was. Um, well, I guess nobody would know. But I can say, I, I was um, when I was ten years old. I was taller than my dad. Right. My dad's about five seven five eight. Right. Yeah. I was a monster kid. Um. <laughs> And I got too big for my britches when I was 10 years old. Like, when I was 10, I wore my dad's suit to my fourth grade dance. Oh, wow. But his <laughs> shoes didn't fit me. They were too small. Oh so I wore God. my uncle's <laughs> shoes. <laughs> right? So, um, <clears throat> like, dad was a disciplinarian. When I was 10, I got too big for my britches. And my my mama, I got in trouble. My mama told me to go cut a switch. And so I'm going to cut my switch with my attitude. Not knowing that my daddy just got home. Mm. So I go out there and I'm like, I'm going to show her. So instead of getting a switch, I drag up an old rotten log. Like old huge rotten log. I drag it up. I mean, I can't even pick it up. I drag it up. And when I get back up there, my daddy says, what are you doing, son? And I was like, uh, uh, uh. And mama walks out the door and she goes, he's supposed to be going to get a switch. And daddy looks at me and he looks at the log and he looks back at me and he goes, that's the switch you got? And I'm like, uh, yes, sir. And he said, oh, are you trying to be smart? Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> and he goes, that's the that's the switch you picked? I said, okay. He goes, all right. And so he whoops me with that log. Barks flying all over the place. Oh my, Dirt's yeah. flying everywhere. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, I, and so my dad was disciplinarian. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not, don't call a law on him. He was a great dad. Um,
1: <laughs> he is really a good dude. <laughs> he's a good
0: guy. But I wasn't scared of him. But I respected him so much. I did not want to disappoint him. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't fearful. Was- like you were saying a minute ago, I wasn't fearful of him. Yeah. Like, I knew my dad loved me, cared for me, would protect me, like, he would not hurt me. I knew that. No question. But I, I wanted to please him so bad. Yeah. And I wanted to give him respect. And so what he wanted to have happen was what I wanted to have happen. Yes. You know what I mean? And yes. that's exactly what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is sort that, of sovereignty and reverence. Yeah. that high, The deepest level of respect Yeah, of, you no, know, you are in charge. You are my dad. I want to do what pleases you. Yes. You know? Um and I desperately did. Of course as, as a kid and as teenagers you do times where you don't. You get mad and you know stupid dad, I don't know why you want me to do this is dumb, right? But for the most part I mean I wanted I wanted to give him respect and please yeah. him and do what he wanted to do. Um and so I would I would do things like he wanted to have have it done not because I was scared of him. Like my yeah. dad when he so my, my dad um uh w- when we mow grass and stuff Dad wanted dad mowed the grass on the lowest possible setting of the lawnmower. He wanted you to scalp the yard so you could go as long as you could without mowing it. Yeah. <laughs> and you could not leave, you could not leave a piece of grass. Like you could not miss a spot. And so when when I was older and I was mowing the grass while he was at work, I did it exactly like he wanted to do it. Even though I didn't agree. Like he wanted us to mow the ditches in the front yard, right, with the push mower. Because it got down closer and it got easier. But you could mow it with the riding lawnmower. And so I remember one time my mama said, just go out there and mow them ditches with the riding lawnmower and be done with it so it don't take four hours to mow the ditches. And I'll tell you, Daddy, it's fine. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Dad wants it done with this little push mower, and that's the way I'm going to do it. Yeah, Not because I was scared of getting in trouble. Like, he wouldn't have punished me for that. But that's what he wanted. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm making maybe I'm making the point too much, but No, this is good. I'm just point. saying, yeah. you are right. There yeah. is a sovereign respect for his will. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of times that's what we are missing with this is is the the greater sovereign respect you have, the greater reverence you have for God's ultimate authority, his ultimate will.
1: You're going to want that to come out in your you're life. You're right, right. Yeah, you're going to want it to come out.
0: You're right, man. In how you live you're right. You increase like this is the this is actually the solution to I'm glad you brought this up because it went on the notes at all. <laughs> this is the solution to most of the things, most of the problems we have, um, most of the sin struggles we have, is our view of God is too small. Yeah. And if we will work on increasing our view of God, and by the way, the greatest way to increase your view of God is to increase your worship. Mm-hmm. Right. Um but if we'll increase our view of God's majesty, his sovereignty, the fact that he is in control anyway, right, like it's his will's going to be done regardless, Yes. Uh, you might as well get on board kind of thing. But the more you increase your view of him, he is holy, he's righteous, he's perfect. I want to please him. He's worthy of all praise. Everything in my life should be, should be honor and praise to him, mm-hmm. right? Not just the moments where I raise my hand in church, not just the moments where I give tithes and offerings. Not just the moments where I serve somebody, but every waking breath should be praised to him because he's worth it, right? Not because I'm required to and not because I'm scared he's going to smite me, right? Mm -hmm. If God was going to smite you, he'd already smote you. (laughs) (laughs) If he was going to smite, he'd already smote, all right? He's had plenty (laughs) of reasons to take you on out of here. It's not because I'm scared of him. It's because my reverence for him is increasing, right? that, That fixes most of our sin problems. It does. Um, Because, you know, the biggest tool in your toolbox is repentance. Like God gives us the ability to repent, to turn away from what we are walking to that's not him and to walk towards him. And he doesn't wait for us to get back to him where we left off at. He meets us as we turn around. Right. Mm -hmm. So the biggest tool we got in our toolbox is repentance. You know, you, you, you can increase your repentance by having a higher view of who God is, right? Yes. And real repentance, real repentance is not being sorry that you did something, not being sorry that the consequences happened from it. True repentance is not me being sorry I did something to you, Matt. True repentance is I'm sorry I did this to God, yep. no matter what it is or who you did it to, because he's the perfect, holy, righteous one, mm-hmm. right? And and a higher level of re- – higher view of repentance leads to a higher view of God which leads to us being um, actually walking in the mindset of wanting to do God's will, not our will. Yes. Yeah, it's a good point you brought up. Thanks. Um, it was good. Yeah, that was awesome. That was <laughs> you really you good. gave some good examples really to go good. into too. So I'm if, good at telling stories. Yeah, it flowed well. It yeah. flowed well. <laughs> that's all we got. We talked too long. <laughs> no, it was a good podcast. We got one more in this series. After this one, we'll wrap up. the The next one My is farewell um, tour. Yeah, your farewell tour. <laughs> but our next one is the last one is I think with an inter- internal perspective. We'll do that one last. It won't take long. It'll be faster. All so. Right. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. Matt, anything else? We're good? I think we're good. All right. We'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks. Listen, um, make sure you share this and rate it, like it, whatever it is, on Apple or Spotify, wherever you're listening, and share the social media stuff. Follow us on Instagram. Like us, friend us, whatever the word is for Facebook, and uh, (laughs) share that stuff so this can be helpful to somebody else. Um, But you know, once again, when we walk out this podcast, you don't have to just listen to this and do it. You have the mind of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's working in you, making this happen. Yes. So take Matt's challenge. Lean into having a higher view of God, which will enable you to do his will more. Mm-hmm. Y'all take it Thank easy. Yes,
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.